Well, good morning. My name is Jeffrey, and as Lynn mentioned, uh, I've been here before. It is an honor to be back here. I mean that. It's just a joy to be with you and to jump into this series, and I just believe there's, there's greatness for us all today. I want to welcome you. Those watching online, I want to welcome you. I also want to ask, we're really less than a question. It's more of a just statement. You, you may know the story of the two, the husband and wife, the elderly couple, that went to visit their doctor. Have you heard this? They were struggling with remembering. And so they go to their doctor. Doctor basically tells them, hey, it happens to us all. And it's just kind of a part of getting older. And doctor suggested, why not write some things down? Might help you remember those things that are important to you. And so the elderly couple left and went home. And later in that day, they were sitting in the living room and the wife looks to the husband and says, hey, I'd, I'd like some ice cream, I'd like some vanilla ice cream. And she said, why, why don't you go to the kitchen and fix me a bowl of vanilla ice cream? And he says, says sure, honey. And so he, he's making his way into the kitchen and she hollers out, now go ahead and do what the doctor suggested and write that down so you don't forget. I want a bowl of vanilla ice cream. Old man mumbles under his breath, I, I, don't, need, I don't need to write anything down. There's nothing wrong with my memory. She says, while you're fixing that, go ahead and put a little strawberries on top, maybe sprinkle a few nuts, a little whipped cream, and, and write that down. D don't forget, want some vanilla ice cream, a little strawberries, whipped cream, some nuts, and he, he mumbles something again to the effect of, I don't need to write anything down. There's not a thing wrong with, with my memory. I'm, I'm just fine. Well, she sits there and she listens to the, the sounds of pots and pans banging in the kitchen. Five, seven minutes later, her husband walks back into the living room and hands her a plate of eggs, bacon, bowl of grits. She looks at the plate. She looks at him and says, where's the toast I ordered? <laughs> I got to get some better jokes. I know I got to get some better jokes. We're going to continue, if you have your Bible, in the book of James, chapter 1, with this series on practical wisdom for today. And interestingly, we're going to see, I chose that joke, silly though it is, very elementary, because today we're going to see that James has actually a lot to say to us about remembering, about helping us recall what is important. And James chapter 1, you began this series last week. We are going to jump right in. Quite a few verses this morning. I first want to read to you, we're going to begin with verse 19, and we're going to go all the way through the end of this chapter, and there's a lot for us to unpack, but a wealth of wisdom here from James. Let's, let's, let's begin to read verse 19, chapter 1, the book of James. He says this, my dear brothers, take note of this. Simply, he wants us to get what it is that he's about to share with us. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. He is speaking to us as Christ followers. That word which he says can save you. Look at verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says... It's like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting, there's that word again, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone, verse 26, considers himself religious, some difficult words for us to read here. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Do you see that word? It's pretty powerful words here. It says our religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. A lot there. And as a matter of fact, it's easy to take a look at this, guys, and to think, wow, how how are we going to unpack all of this this morning? James put a lot into these seven verses. There, again, is is a lot of information. What I want to encourage you to do as we walk through this is, if you can, to, to consider that not only was James a follower of Christ, he was the half-brother of Christ. Equally important, he spent a lot of time with Christ, three critical years. Jesus traveling with those men that he called his disciples. James was a part of that journey. And so when, when you look at James's words, I think this is really important for us as we unpack this this morning. When you, when you consider James's words, you, you must also consider that here is a man who knew Jesus just about as much as anyone who's ever walked planet Earth. He watched those miracles happen. He, he saw them right there in, in the person. He didn't hear about them secondhand. He was often right there in the mix. He was there listening to Jesus teach and watching him interact with, with children, adults, people of all ages. He, he listened to this. He saw Jesus respond not only to those who loved him, but those who hated him and wanted him dead. And can you, can you imagine those moments where James, I can, I can see the fire and the disciples around the fire and Jesus just teaching and the men, his followers, soaking that in. James was a part of that. Having said that, there are, there are four criticals I want you to get this morning. But if I could summarize, and I wrote this down last night, if I could summarize this passage before we jump in, there's two things I don't want you to miss. They're not a part of the four I want to make sure you get, but they really speak to me as I look at the summary of this passage. And the first is this, the Word of God is critical to my life. Amen? Do you believe that? I hope you do. The Word of God is critical to my life. And secondly, listen to this, applying the Word of God to my life is critical if I am to be like Jesus. Do you agree with that? God's Word is critical to my life, but equally choosing to apply this Word to go and live it out is critical if I am to live a life as Jesus lived. James clearly understood that. He wants us to get that. Let me me pray with you. Just open up this moment to the Lord. We're going to jump right in. Father, we thank you for a time of worship. We thank you for the freedom we have here in our nation uh, to come together to assemble and to call on your name, to celebrate you, to worship you, and to open your word. And Father, I pray that you speak to us and that we clearly this morning are able to separate the difference from just being a listener of the word and choosing to be a doer of the word. And Lord, I pray that as we leave, we're better for it and that you use us to take this word today to the world that needs it. We ask this in your name. And all God's people said, look at verse 22. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. James clearly wants us to get that, well, the simple but equally the big of this passage, it's all about 
the Word. As a matter of fact, I'm in the NIV. I believe this is the 1984 version of the NIV. I've had this Bible quite some time. Your Bible may say this as well. Uh, If not, a, a previous Bible of yours may have. My title here at the top of this passage is listening and doing. James wants us with all that he's given us here. And in verses 19, 20, and 21, he gives us a lot about being careful what we say, being slow to speak, quick to listen. He talks about our anger. He's given us a lot. But what he really wants us to get, and we can't look past it today, is that it isn't just about these applications of doing good stuff. It's first about the responsibility, listen to this, the responsibility as a Christ follower to get into the Word so that the Word can get into us so that then we can go out and do what it is that he is asking us to do. Does that make sense? Because, again, topically, there's a lot here. But it all is packed within the presence of the power of the Word and us choosing to live that. Having said that, I want to give you four things this morning. And if you're a writer, if you've heard me preach before, I'm, I'm really big on encouraging you to write. Because just like that elderly couple, it it works for me. I believe if I write it, I'm more able to remember it and I'm more able to live it. But whether you're writing here... Or here, I hope you won't miss these four. And the first is this. Number one, if you're writing, write this. The Word of God enables. Will you say the word enable? The Word of God enables. That didn't sound very confident. We say the word enable? The Word of God enables me to not be deceived. That's what he's saying here. If we get into the Word, it helps us with this, well, with this worldly and more personally with this This internal deception. Look at verse 22 again. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. James is wanting us to make sure that the opposite of not being in the word is being deceived by the world, being deceived by ourselves. I did a little little research on this word. I, I find it very interesting that the word deceived only appears three times in the New Testament. We read it twice here. Paul mentions it in Colossians chapter 2 when he's talking about worldly deception. Jesus, though he doesn't use the word, at least in the English form, he, he speaks that to us. And we, we covered that a little last, when the last time I was here a couple of months ago. John chapter 10, verse 10. Many of you know this passage where he gives us this warning about the enemy, the thief who wants to what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. The words to steal in the Greek actually mean to deceive. So John... Matthew, Mark, Luke, the the disciples, James here, they clearly understood that Jesus wanted us as followers to get it, that Satan is alive, he's real, he is deceptive, he's the father of lies, he's the, the, the author of deception. James understands that, and he clearly wants to speak that to us, that in order for us to not be deceived by Satan in his ways, we must be into the what? We must be into the Word. I, I, I know you get this. I don't want to spend a lot of time here this morning, guys, uh, because deception is, is everywhere. It's packaged in a variety of ways. This, this cultural onslaught of, of Satan's ways, his messages, his, his mode of operation, and getting you and me to buy the lie that the Word is less than relevant and my desires are more relevant. Right isn't right. Wrong isn't wrong. And... What feels good wins. It's packaged in so many ways, but it's there today and it's quite incessant. Would you agree? This message that, hey, it's your life, live for today. Anything goes. It's not about right, wrong, as much as it is just simply about what works or what feels good in the moment. My wife and my daughters 
we were, they were traveling with me and we were, if I'm remembering correctly, East Coast a couple of years ago. And this is a very elementary example of this, but we, we were traveling and if I'm remembering correctly, we were on the way to the airport, needed a little bite to eat. And so we, we pulled into Taco Bell. I can handle Taco Bell every, every now and then. And so we quick to eat, quick to the airport, grabbed that $2.99 Taco Bell pack order they had going at that time. I don't know if it's still out there, but it was three tacos and a Pepsi, $2.99, and you're good to go. And so I remember us loading up and sitting quickly at the table to eat, and we began to unpack the the tacos and the hot sauce. I don't know about you, but the hot sauce cannot be hot enough for me. I, I love it hot. Any hot sauce lovers in the room? I love it hot. And so I remember opening my packet of the Taco Bell hot sauce and putting it on my, my taco, and I just, just kind of throw the packet on the table, and it caught my attention. And I couldn't believe what, I, what I'm reading. And Amy had this look on her face like, Jeffrey, don't, don't put this in a message. And here I am putting it in a message. But have you guys seen this before? Have you seen these packets? I've been carrying a couple of these around for a couple of years now, and I've kind of got this collection of them. It doesn't just end here. Guys, show them the next one here. Not only does it not get hotter from here, but can you put that next one up on the screen? There you go. Do you see that? Good things always happen after midnight. What about this next one? Leave no dare undone. Did you know this was the Taco Bell program of the moment? Look at this next one. I mean, talk about promotion. I'm up for it if you are. I mean, come on, it's no big deal. It's just, it's just one time. Nobody will know. Come on, everybody's in. You're in, right? You don't want to be out. Look at this next one. Why say no hmm. when you can say yes? It's not about right and wrong. It's about the moment. Come on, live it up. Look at one more. If you never do, you'll never know. It's this message of culture. And I know, yes, it's very, it's very elementary. It's just hot sauce. I think there's a greater message at play here. And James is alluding to this and wanting us to, to understand the, the power of, of deception. James makes it incredibly personal here. Because he's not just talking, don't miss this, he's not just talking about a, a, a worldly deception. No, look at, look at his words again. We spent a lot of time in verse, in verse 22, this one verse already. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive who? Deceive yourself. This isn't just a, a worldly deception. This is a, a personal deception. That if, if I'm not careful, if I just choose to listen and walk and forget God's word, then James is warning us that very easily we can get into this rhythm of just deceiving ourselves when the line is drawn and we're faced with a choice. We all understand this more than we think we do because we've, we've all been in these moments where the whispers begin. The choice, the challenge, the temptation is before us and we must decide on which side of the line we should stand. And that game begins to unravel in our heads. Come on, it's, it's the weekend. Or oh, man, you've... You know, you've, you've had a rough week. Nobody's going to know. Just, just jump in. Or she, she's not here to see it. Or he, he won't ever find out. Just, just this one time. Or students, you know, I, I, I didn't have time to prepare for my test. I've wrestled with this before in my mind during the school years. Had a busy night last night. Had practice last night. I'm not fully prepared for the test. It's just, just this one time. I can just, I'll just find a way to cheat just, just this one time. 
I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm so willing to admit that if, if I'm not careful, I can easily convince myself that bad is good. Would you agree? And I'm, I'm really good at that if I'm not careful, of debating myself, beginning to rationalize and process the moment and convince me that the choice before me, though it's wrong, is less than wrong because I deserve it or my situation's different. James has given us so much in this one passage. Absolutely, verses 19, 20, and 21 of being careful what you say, being slow to speak, watching your anger, the worldly desires. But man, he gets right to it. And I'm telling you, this has really spoke to me this week, verse 22, of not just choosing to hear God's word and walk, but to understand the power of getting into the word, again, of allowing, number one, the word of God to enable me to not deceive me. So, so how do we do this? How do we, how do we get into the word and get into that rhythm? Well, he goes on. Look at verse 23. Anyone who listens, I love his analogy here. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. James is telling us we must get into this rhythm of getting into the Word. And I, I love this analogy that he gives us as it relates to the mirror. Now, in order for us to talk about this for a moment, I think it's important to ask the question, okay, what is the... And this is going to be a very elementary question, but I hope you'll just ride with me for this, with this for a moment. What is the intended purpose of a mirror? Sounds like a silly question, doesn't it? What, what, what's the intended purpose of a mirror? We look into a mirror, we, we see what we desire to see, or maybe what we wish we could see something a little different than what we're looking at, but... You, of course, you, you understand the intended purpose. Well, it's important to know that in James's day, it was a little different. I mean, the mirrors were less than what we have now. Most, if not all, weren't glass. They were usually metal, and the reflection was less than good. It was challenging at best. It was distorted. It was blurry. There weren't a lot of mirrors. So I, I get what James is saying here for that specific time, and that place in history where those who look in a mirror could walk and forget because what they saw really wasn't that good. I think, guys, for us in 2017, I hope you won't miss this, this passage takes on an, an entirely more robust thought when you consider our mirrors today. And when I think about a mirror, I don't, I don't think... And I'm assuming you're with me on this. I don't think really the intended purpose for you and me when it comes to a mirror is that, look, we walk to the mirror, we look in the mirror, we walk from the mirror, and we hope all day that what we looked at we still hold on to in our minds. Am I, am I right? I mean, I don't go to a mirror to look to help me remember so that all day long I'm remembering what I looked like this morning in the mirror. Does that make sense? No, for me, and I have to believe it's the case for you, we don't look so much to the mirror to help us remember all day. Instead, we look to the mirror so that the mirror can show us those areas of our lives that need addressing in that moment. You know, do I have enough gel in my hair? A little boogie issue? Got something in my teeth? Do I need to shave this morning? Are you with me? If you're with me, say, Jeffrey, I'm with you. 
I want you to be with me. You need to be with me because this is, I think, a critical of the moment here in this passage. James is wanting us as Christ followers to get that it's less about looking and, and forgetting. It's more about looking and understanding that in that moment, that mirror, the purpose for that moment is to show me either areas that are all good with my life or areas that need addressing in my life. If you're writing, write this down, number two. The Word of God reveals, say reveals. The Word of God reveals to me those areas of my life that need addressing. You know, that elderly couple, things didn't go so well with, with the vanilla ice cream. Later that night, they're getting ready for bed. And the older man is in the bed watching a little TV and his wife is just a few steps away in the bathroom looking into the mirror and she begins to talk about what it is that she's seen in the mirror. And so she begins to say, you know, I'm looking at myself and I'm just looking older. My hair's turned gray. I've got these wrinkles I didn't have 10 years ago. My, my eyes have kind of dropped. My skin's looking a little wrinkly and not as tight, a little flabby. And she said, I just, I, just, I just do not like what I'm seeing right here. Well, she gets no response from her husband which men just, you know, is not a good way to roll. And so she looks at her husband and she says, hey! And he looks her way and she says, hey, tell me something good about myself to make me feel better about what I've just seen. Well, the husband thinks for a moment and looks off and looks back at her and says, well, baby, it looks like there's nothing wrong with your eyesight. <laughs> I'm 0 for 2 today, aren't I? The idea of the mirror for us in 2017 is a powerful one. And in the context of 2017 in our world today and what it is that James wants us to get, man, guys, I'm telling you, this has spoken to me all week. And I hope you don't miss this, that the, the power of the mirror, God's word, James is wanting us to walk from here today. More specifically, God speaking through James with the understanding that the mirror, listen, God's word, the mirror, God's word, is of no value to me if I just look and walk and forget. More specifically for us today, if I just look and choose not to apply and go on about my day. James clearly wants us to understand the power of the mirror, the, the intended purpose of the mirror, not just to help us see and remember, but to show us, listen, to show me areas of my life that aren't in line with the heart of Christ. This is tough here. And I know it's Sunday morning, and we've celebrated country music, and we're celebrating the Preds this weekend, and it's, there's a lot going on up here in all of our membranes. I get that. But I hope you won't miss this. Because James so clearly has spoken to the heart of who Christ desires we be, because, again, he spent so much time with Christ. And James understood that Jesus was the Word, and that for us to be the word and to be the reflection of who Christ has created us to be, God's word must be a critical component of our lives. Not just looking and walking, but choosing to look and apply and fix what is needed and to be the better for it. It's interesting here that James talks about two hearers. Look what he says again. There's the one... Look at verse 23, who listens to the word but does not do what it says. And then in verse 25, there's the man who looks intently and doesn't forget and applies and does it. 
There's two. It's important here. Two here is the one who looks, walks, doesn't apply. And the one who looks, keeps looking, doesn't forget, and does what it says. This is, this is a, 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 a beautiful analogy. It's difficult to hear. I wrote this down. Just listen to this. The mirror, listen, the mirror doesn't always tell me what I wanted to say. And listen, ignoring the mirror doesn't eliminate the reality of what the mirror reveals. Do you agree? And there are moments when we get into God's Word, it just doesn't feel good. It doesn't sit well with us. The mirror of Scripture doesn't always tell me what I want it to say. And just because I ignore it doesn't mean that message goes away. Truth is truth, amen? And James so wants us to capture this this morning. The two here is the one who looks and walks and doesn't apply. The one who looks, who keeps looking, who doesn't forget, and who does. Guys, just briefly, and I'll give you final two points as we finish this morning. But before that, just, just briefly, will, will you be, would you be so willing just for a moment to ask yourself, when you consider the two hearers, the one who looks, walks, forgets. The one who looks, continues to look, applies, and goes and does. Ask yourself, which am I? You just ask yourself that this morning. Which, which am I? I'll be the first in the room to admit that it's often a lot easier to, to look, to listen to the mirror speak to me, but yet to leave it there as I go about my day. And what if, think about this, what if we each, just in a very elementary way, what if, what if tomorrow... We each applied this idea of looking and of continuing to look. What, what if tomorrow morning, before your day began, I was thinking about this this weekend. What if we each, and I kind of wrote it down because I'm always looking for a little saying that kind of helps motivate me. I called it the Monday Mirror Challenge. The Monday Mirror Challenge. What if tomorrow each of us took a few moments and just kind of went back to James 1? And you can start at the beginning or just jump right in where we've been here in this passage there's really no important right or wrong place to go. The important step is just to begin the journey. But what if tomorrow, the Monday Mirror Challenge, you say, no, I'm going to get back into James, and I'm, I'm going to read, and I'm going to do, look what he says. The man who looks intently, verse 25, continues to do this, doesn't forget, but then does it. He will be blessed. What if you applied those four steps? Looks intently, continues to look, doesn't forget, and does. What if you began that process tomorrow morning with James chapter 1? As a matter of fact, I wrote down this prayer. What, what, what if you made it your prayer tomorrow morning? God, show me more of you so that I can reflect more of you in my life. What if, what if, think about this. What, a couple hundred of us here? What if we each made this our prayer tomorrow morning? Guys, imagine the impact we could have in our city. One conversation at a time. In our homes, with our, with our spouses our kids, with our grandkids, with our neighbors. It's just one prayer we begin to make it that prayer, starting tomorrow. God, show me more of you 
so that I can reflect more of you in my world. Imagine the power of that impact. I want to show you those four things again. Look at verse 25. Looks intently, continues to look, doesn't forget, and continues to do. Do you see this rhythm James wants us to get into? It's, it's a critical rhythm. And parents, grandparents, in many ways, we, we help in this process. That's why I want to give you number three. Number three of this is this. The Word of God helps me remember what is important. The Word of God helps me remember what is important. As we look, as we continue to look intently, as we make it the process and the rhythm in our lives to not forget and live it out, that number three is critical because we can't live it unless we hold on to it and remember it. Amen? We're not really going to live as we desire to live if we're not holding on the reflection God's Word gives us. So parents, we play, a, I think, a critical role here. I remember my daddy, there were three boys that grew up in his home. Kent, my older brother, Jeremy, my younger brother, myself, and my mama, Jerry and Sherry were our parents. And my daddy, he was so good at this. Tuesday nights in our home growing up was devotional night. And sometimes we, we did it at the dinner table. Other times we, we would do it in, in the living room. And my, my daddy, he was, he was good at this. Not a perfect daddy, but he was really good in this area of helping us boys remember God's Word. My wife's really good at this. If you've been in our house, you know. There are scriptures, for many of you, this is probably the case in your house as well. But, but Amy is so good at displaying scripture verses in our home. It's hanging on the mirrors in our bathrooms. You open the pantry in our kitchen. There's verses there. I open my closet door in our bathroom. There are verses there. There are verses on her door in her bathroom. She's really good at getting us, Bailey and Brennan, our daughters, into the rhythm of allowing God's Word to be before us each day. Parents, I want to encourage you in that. If there aren't children living in home, in your home, husband and wife, or if you're single, whatever rhythm works for you, I want to encourage you the four get into the Word, continue to get into it, not forgetting it and doing it, the four that James gives us. I want to encourage you in that. Why? Well, not only because God asked it of us, but I love the end. Look at verse 25. I love the end of verse 25. It says this, He who does this will be blessed in what he does. Did you hear this? You do it, you'll be what? How many of you want God's blessing? Every head should go up in here. Of course you do. We all can agree on this. We all want God's blessings. James is saying, you do it, you'll be blessed for it. Again, remember, James has spent time with Jesus. We won't go back there today. But in John chapter 13, it's that final moment that the disciples, they've gathered with Jesus. They have no idea what's about to unfold. But it's, it's the supper that they have there with the bread and the wine. And Jesus, it says, then begins to do what? Do you remember this? He washes their feet. Remember this passage? He's washing their feet. And as he's washing their feet, he's teaching them. He never misses a moment of opportunity. He's speaking goodness into them. And when he finishes this message, again, we won't go to all of it, but just listen, very similar to the wordings we're hearing here. Listen to what, what Jesus says in verse 17 of John chapter 13. He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You see, James, spending time with Jesus, understood a call to action. He understood the importance of getting into the Word and then leaving us, the reader, us as Christ followers, with a challenge to go live the Word. What James is saying to us is this, and I know you know it, but I'll remind you of this, that it isn't enough that I know. I must also do. It isn't enough that I know. 
I must also do. You see, James understood, number four, if you're writing the final point this morning is this, the Word of God rewards me when I look into it and then I choose to do it. James clearly understood the power of the Word. And he knew because hearing Jesus say it that if we get it into us, we begin to live it out, that there's a blessing that comes from this. Now, quickly, James... He could have gone in any number of direction here. Look again at verse 26. He says this, anyone, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives, there's that word again, himself, and his religion is worthless. This is really where the passage began. Do you remember it? Verse 19, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. James is kind of bringing that back around. Again, he's saying, hey, you, you may consider yourself religious, but look at his wording. But if you do not keep a tight rein on your tongue, you will deceive yourself and your religion is what? It's worthless. Powerful words. James is saying, hey, you can do everything right. But if you get this wrong, then everything is worthless. That's some pretty heavy wording this morning. Keeping a tight rein on my tongue. You know, I've been thinking about this a couple of weeks now. And I have to believe a part of the conversation, and this is a greater message for another time, but I have to believe that a part of this conversation of keeping a rein on our tongue must include our online life, our social media presence. And not just what I say, but how I say it. Not just what I speak to someone or speak about them, but what I post. I was in Florida a little over a year ago preaching at a, a, a conference there, and you may have heard the story. I met, I met the cousin of the, the sophomore girl who, right outside of Tampa, uh, the sophomore girl uh, never had the opportunity to meet her, sadly. She left her school one day, and rather than, than turning right to, to go home, she, she turned left, and she walked about a mile outside of her town, small town right outside of Tampa, and she climbed a water tower, and she jumped. She ended her life. And I was in her community speaking, and I, and I met her cousin. And she said, you know, Jeffrey, it, it all started in school when some girls started posting some stuff about her weight. They started saying some stuff about her. And she said, my cousin just got so wrapped up in it and just so consumed about it, was trying to lose weight and couldn't lose weight, and the, the, the crazy didn't stop, and the rage, they continued to post, and it just went viral. And then they, she said, Jeffrey, what's sad? They started saying stuff about my cousin that wasn't even true. Such a reminder to me through that story of that cousin and through the wording of James this morning that my words are very powerful. That I must be careful about what I say. I must be, as he says, slow to speak. And the power of his wording here that I literally am of a religious, worthless life that I may get it all right, but if, if, if I'm using my tongue in an invaluable way, in a demeaning way, it's, it's just, it's worthless. My life, he's saying it's worthless. Religion, look at verse 27, and we'll finish. That God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. I love the, the ending of this passage. To look after orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James is ending this passage with reminding us not only the power of our tongue, but of our walk of helping others, of working to maintain a life not deceived by the world. 
There's so much here. Let me, give, let me give you a summary statement. You can write this if you want. It really speaks to me of just the, the fullness of this passage, and that is this, that the Word of God equips. The Word of God equips me to live as Christ lived. This life of action. To not just listen and walk and forget. To not just look into the mirror and to close the mirror and to not use the reflection that the mirror has provided so that I can then be that reflection to a world desperate for that. I'll tell you, my, one of my favorite things to do uh, is to spend time on the road opening the Word, obviously. That's what I do for a living. And we hope you'll pray for our family. We leave Saturday for about six and a half, seven weeks to uh, seven different states over the course of this summer. And I, I remember... Uh, it's probably been 20 years ago, right at the beginning of my ministry, I had the opportunity to travel to Wisconsin and to speak uh, to a very, very small group of students there. And one day we went caving. You've been caving before? We went in the ground, spelunking the light, the helmet. And so we're, we're caving and it's a little freaky. And we went from walking to crawling kneeling, eventually sliding on our bellies through this cave. And our camp director there took us to this area called the mud room. And he said, Jeffrey, it's a very small opening. And at this point, there was just, I think, just two high school guys left with us. Everyone else had gone back up to the top. And he said, it's a little tight, but if you go through the hole, it's super cool. This room opens up underground about 10 by 20. And floor to ceiling, wall to wall, covered in mud. They called it the mud room. And so he went in, and we don't see him anymore, uh, but we hear him say, okay, send the first one down. It's just echoing through this cave. Send the first one down. And none of us moved because it's a really tight hole. Matter of fact, it took him a few minutes to kind of maneuver his body correctly to get through the hole. And I'm looking at the high school boys and they're shaking their heads, no, and their eyes are really big. And I said, hey, Ryan, I don't think we're coming. It was just this moment of silence. And then I heard Ryan say this. He said, Jeffrey, it's just echoing. You can't come this far and not come all the way. You can't come this far and not come all the way. We'd been underground a couple of hours, and he had wanted to take us to this spot. We're finally here, and I toughed it up, and I went in the hole, and it was freaky, and it was amazing. It's one of the coolest things I've ever done. Those high schoolers followed me in, and I remember all the way back to main camp that night, I couldn't stop thinking about Ryan's words. I think in many ways the message mirrored to us today is one of of a reminder, listen, as followers of Christ, we've, we've come so far in our journey with Him. But daily, listen, if we allow God's Word to reflect the goodness of who Christ is, we take one more step into coming all the way with Him. And we get confidence in that. And He grows us in that. And He gives us His blessing. And when we choose to get into His mirror and let it reflect to us the goodness of who He is, one moment... One challenge, one choice at a time, we become more and more like Him. Amen.